Welcome to the official ABA Law Student Podcast, where we talk about issues that affect law students and recent grads. From finals and graduation to the bar exam and finding a job, this show is your trusted resource for the next big step. You're listening to the Legal Talk Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the ABA Law Student Podcast on Legal Talk Network. I'm Kareem Arif. I'm the chair of the law student division of the American Bar Association, and I'm a rising third-year law student at the University of California, Davis. Our show today is sponsored by the American Bar Association Law Student Division. In this monthly podcast, we cover topics that are of interest to you, law students and recent graduates, who will be talking about a variety of issues, from finals to bar exam and everything in between. We hope this show is a trusted resource for all of our listeners. For this show, we have my friend and our special guest, Anna Romanskaya, who is a partner at Stark and D'Ambrosia in San Diego, and she practices family law. Welcome on the show, Anna. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Hello. How are you doing? I am a little bit tired, but I'm doing well all together. It's been quite the annual meeting. It has. So, Anna, you are the chair now of the Young Lawyers Division, and are, are you officially started your term at this point? I have. I'm officially 24 hours in. How's it feel? It, it feels great. It's it's humbling and it's exciting, and I'm looking forward to getting started and keep the traction moving. Fantastic. So you partner at the law firm, you're chair of the Young Lawyers Division. I mean, it seems like you have it all figured out. Has that always been the case? <laughs> Not at all. It's actually quite surreal, and that's why I say it's it's humbling. I'm very proud to be in this position, and I hope to make a difference and leave an impact on the profession. Well, well tell us about that. How did, you, how did you come to the decision that you wanted to go to law school? Uh, well, you know, I am actually not someone who aspired to be an attorney since I was five. I was not influenced by any legal shows. I did not have anybody in my family who was an attorney. The only lawyers that I had any access to were you know, those that were either portrayed on TV or it just, it always seemed to me to be kind of a a stuffy, intimidating profession. So I was in undergrad, I did my undergrad in UC Santa Barbara, and I originally came in as a psychology major. I thought I wanted to go into the social work field. I really gravitated toward the helping profession. Uh, My background is in crisis intervention and victim advocacy. But uh, as I was moving through my tenure in undergrad, I realized that that's not, it it wasn't what I thought it it was actually in practice, the um, social work aspect. And I realized that I wanted to focus more so on advocacy. And I ultimately ended up double majoring in law and society, which is like the sociology of law, essentially, and political science from Mm -hmm. UC Santa Barbara. And I was thinking about what I wanted to do. I you know, was in my junior year of, of college and realized I should probably figure it out. I'm graduating next year and um, you know, thinking which industry would help me advocate. And my colleagues were either looking at grad school or law school mm-hmm. in my political science and right. law and society majors. So you know, I thought about it and figured, you know, you can do anything with a law degree at the time. And I just thought law school was more practical than grad school. I still had no intention of being an attorney 
or practicing. I just figured if I wanted to do advocacy and I wanted to get some practical skills and training, that law school was the way to go. So Fantastic. Actually, yeah. I don't know if we've ever discussed this, but I was a psychology law and society major at UC <laughs> Riverside as well. So as soon as you said that, I, I remember exactly those classes. I think at this point, definitely not stuffy, but you're definitely intimidating. So what, what changed? When did you decide that it was time to be a lawyer? You were at law school with no interest in being a lawyer. Yeah. When did that change? Yeah. So this is so I went into law school in 2004. Mm hmm. Just to put some perspective, the economy was at a much stronger place and, you know, we could sort of afford to be aspirational and think, you know, I can do anything with a law degree and not really have a direction. So, you know, I came in 2004, 2005. My first year in law school was really challenging. It was it, it just was very sort of intimidating in the sense that because I didn't have a direction, because I was straight from college, I was 22 mm -hmm. coming into law school and didn't really, you know, feel like I had a direction. And so as a result, I really struggled. My first year of law school was, my grades were just really not optimal. I ended up being on academic probation at the end mm -hmm. of my first year, which was really a scary place to be. Absolutely. Because... Uh, you know, I had the prospect of being um, dismissed, you know, from school, which right. was a real wake up call. And it was a, it was something I've never experienced before. I did well in undergrad. And so I kind of had to figure it out. And the, when looking at internships and what sort of interested me, I gravitated toward public interest okay. and kind of crisis intervention. So my first internship that first summer for my first year was in domestic violence mm -hmm. and doing restraining orders. And I worked at a nonprofit. And as a result of getting that internship, I was looking for funding opportunities because it was an unpaid internship. And uh, I discovered the Public Interest Law Foundation, PILF, eh, which was a student organization. I went to, kind of backtracking, I ended up going to Thomas Jefferson School of Law in San Diego, California. Well, let, and, me, let me slow you down for yeah. one second, Anna. Uh, you said you really weren't exposed to lawyers yep. beforehand. So first in the family to go to law school, and you mentioned yep. you, you had to figure it out. How did you do that? What what advice do you give to people who are just like in that situation where they're trying to figure it out? How did you do it? You know, at the time, at the time it was, I felt really lost and really disjointed because I didn't have a sense of direction. I didn't really know what I was doing there. I kind of, you know, like I said, I decided to go to law school, you know, sort of having these grandiose ideas of wanting to do advocacy. It's like looking up at the sky and calling it blue, you know? And so as a result, I didn't, do as optimally as I could have in my classes because I didn't have that sort of basis. So mm -hmm. what ultimately, you know, quote, saved me was really looking into what my passion was, what my interests were, and realizing, you know, I enjoy public interest. I wanted to do the advocacy. My background is in crisis intervention. And so looking at opportunities for internships in that field is kind of what grounded me finally. So I found that internship doing domestic violence work and uh, working. And that was with the public interest? It was with an organization in Los Angeles called Neighborhood Legal Services. I'm okay. from LA. So my law school was in San Diego. So, you know, as a result of finding that internship, I was trying to figure out a way to get paid. Right. And the Public Interest Law Foundation, the student organization from school, had a scholarship. 
So you can apply for a scholarship if you worked at a nonprofit or public interest entity. And so that got me introduced to a student organization. And ultimately, sort of long story short, I really liked the mission of PILF, okay. which was to assist students going into the public interest and with scholarships and, and opportunities. And ultimately, it gave me a purpose. So after my first year of being on academic probation and kind of floundering, I got involved in the student organization, you know, again, primarily to, to get the scholarship, but then ultimately I got really engaged. I participated in a fundraiser to help fundraise for the scholarship. And then the students that were leading that organization were graduating. So they came to me and said, Anna, would you like to be president of the student organization? And I'm sitting there going like, oh my goodness, I may not graduate. I don't even know if I academically could even hope to qualify to be in leadership, let alone president of a student organization. But, you know, ultimately it just kind of worked out. They worked with me, the administration worked with me. And at the end of the day, it's what gave me purpose. And I barely squeezed by my first year with my grades, right. like, like literally just, just on the cusp, but that's what gave me purpose. So I came back my second year with a summer internship under my belt, feeling a little bit more purposeful, thinking, okay, maybe there is a direction for me that I can pursue. And um, I came in and I took on the presidency of this student organization that, you know, didn't really have any members, didn't have a budget, didn't have any structure. And ultimately, I worked throughout my second year to develop a structure, to build a leadership team, to kind of create a process and we ended up being one of the largest student organizations on campus. Wow. We went from raising for the scholarship that I took and was the only applicant for my first year of $1,200 to $14,000 in fundraising efforts throughout the year. But for me personally, that's what motivated me. So I ended up you know, doing better in school and you know, having a context in the community because we were able to bring in speakers and put on panels. So, you know, I guess sort of moral of the story, if you will, is what I was initially missing was that purpose and okay. that sense of connection. And getting involved in the school, in the community, really sitting back and assessing why I'm doing this, what I want to get out of it is what sort of drove me. And I think that's so important. You hear these days that grades are really the end-all, be-all, and that's how a lot of people feel. Yeah. And to come around and really come back from that and emphasize the purpose in right. what you're doing in yeah. law school, I think would mean a lot to law students. Well, I mean, here's the reality, right? So grades matter. You know, I'm not going to say they don't. But again, it depends on what you want to get out of your experience and where you want to end up. If you are, you know, seeking that judicial clerkship, especially for a federal judge, if you want to work in, you know, a top 100 or 500 firm, the reality is your grades matter and you need to be at the top of the class to be considered. And, you know, again, just blatantly speaking, you need to be at a top tier law school to be considered for a lot of those positions as well. You know, for those of us that I went to a fourth tier law school that, you know, may not, and for me personally, I never, I didn't aspire to that. Mm -hmm. I, right. you know, I was just looking again to get more engaged and to do advocacy work. Grades were sort of ego-wise, right. you know, important, Absolutely. but ultimately I just made peace with the fact that I just, I wanted to experience more so than, and, and recognize the limitations. So, you know, I will share and I'm, I'm open about it and I'm happy to share about it that Ultimately, I graduated 
my law school at the bottom of my class. I was in the bottom 10%. Oh, wow. And even though I was really active on campus, I was president for two years of the Public Interest Law Foundation. I was super, you know, involved. I made connections in the community. And ultimately, you know, I know we'll get into how I landed my job, but, you know, statistically, I was supposed to be, you know, this, this like failure disaster. Right. Statistically, if we're looking at pure numbers. And I did graduate, you know, squeezed by, bottom 10% of my class, but I worked my butt off for the bar exam and I passed the California bar exam, which is one of the toughest in the country. And I passed it on the first time. Oh, fantastic. You know? So you went from statistically supposed to be a disaster to obviously coming to the top of the young lawyers division, being very successful in your field. How did you do that? What happened after you graduated and passed the bar? So, you know, uh, kind of going back to your original question of when did I decide to actually go into the practice? I did a lot of volunteer work and advocacy when I was in law school. I worked at nonprofits and, um, you know, did domestic violence, victim advocacy work. And then I realized about halfway through my second year that I should probably get some law firm experience. All right. Um, Just, you know, to know what it was all about and to kind of explore the arena of the family law arena because... I realized that if I was going to go into the traditional practice, the only area of interest to me was family law and working with families and sort of in the child custody and and, um, domestic violence arena. So I, through my connections, because of my involvement, I was able to work as a law clerk at a family law firm in San Diego and uh, was able to get experience. So I was there for about a year and a half, my half of my second year and all of my third year. Oh, wow. And then in my third year, where I'm like, oh my God, I'm having another one of those life moments of I'm graduating, now what am I going to do? I figured, okay, well, I've gone through law school. I should take the bar exam. I should get my license. So you hadn't decided you were going to be an attorney (laughs) when you sat for the bar exam. You studied all of that time. You didn't know you wanted to be an attorney. What is wrong with you? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I just, I was just moving with the process. I was, you know, taking advantage of opportunities as they came to me, as people approached me and said, you know, Anna, are you interested in this? Would you want to get involved in this? And I was just, you know, going with it, going with the movement of life and without really having, you know, this like plan by plan by plan directive. And even though I'm kind of an an anal and organized person, (laughs) my personality. So I took the bar you know, I was at this law firm thinking, well, you know, I guess I could end up here. I can, I can do this. And feeling, you know, proud to have a job. So I took time off from, this is 2007 now. Right. So build context for those that are aware of the economy. 2007, I graduate law school. I have the job where I'm a law clerk at a family law firm. It's a prestigious family law firm. And I'm happy there. You know, they treat me well take time off for the bar. I take the July 2007 bar. I take two weeks off to go do some traveling and take a load off. On my way back from my travels, I get a phone call. Well, where'd you go? So our listeners <laughs> I went to Europe. It okay. was fabulous. I highly recommend it. All right. Uh, for two weeks. I just traveled around. <laughs> so when you got On my back. credit card. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> I come back thinking I have a job. I'm in the airport. I'm sitting there in my layover. In JFK, coming back to San Diego, I'm listening to my voicemails. I get a call from our office administrator. He says, Anna, give me a call when you get back. So I'm, you know, sitting in the airport thinking, why is she calling me? So I call her. Long story short, economic crisis just starting to hit. She's like, you know, we've had to do some restructuring. 
and we have to let all of our law clerks go. There were five of us, three of us who had just taken the bar. So here I am in the middle of JFK, just coming back from Europe on my credit card, having bar due, having, you know, loans are about to start kicking in because I just graduated, yay me, without a job. Wow. So, you know, after going into a little bit of a panic mode and, you know, having a little bit of a, a cry fest with myself, I, you know, literally and figuratively pick myself up, regroup. And that's literally when I decided, okay, what am I doing with my life professionally? And realize, you know, if I ultimately want to be in an advocacy role and I want to, you know, be in some type of management role and kind of, you know, move into that direction, I should probably lay a foundation and get some experience, some practical experience. And that's when I decided, okay, I'm going to seek a law firm job to get some practical experience. You know, please, dear Lord, let me pass this bar exam that I just took. Right. And I started targeting family law because it's, again, if I'm going to practice laws, do the traditional practice, family law is the only area I can see myself do it in. Okay. And I went to town (laughs) in the, what was it, four months, awaiting bar results. California bar results come in in November, the weekend before Thanksgiving. We take it the last week of July, bar results come out the weekend before Thanksgiving. Something to look forward to for me for next year, right? Yep. Yep. (laughs) So, you know, have fun with that. But... Um, in those four months, I literally went to town. I, at that point, was involved in the ABA, in the law student division. I had gotten involved in my second year of law school. And so I had some contacts in the ABA nationally. I wanted to stay in California. I preferred to stay in San Diego, but I was realistic. And I reached out in the county bar, in the San Diego County bar. I had gotten involved in our young lawyers division. I had gotten involved in some specialty bars through my engagement in our student organization PILF throughout law school. So all of my community engagements, I took advantage and it was a full-time job. I had a lot of coffees. I reached out to, I literally took the list of all the family lawyers that were members of the San Diego County Bar Association and I emailed every single one of them. Wow. And I, I mean, when I say I went to town, I went to town. I emailed them and I wasn't like, hi, I'm looking for a job. It was, hi, this is me. I'm interested in getting involved in the family law. I'd love to you know, pick your brain, get your perspective. Would you be interested in coffee or lunch or a phone call? And I would say, you know, maybe about 65% of them took me up on it. Oh, wow. You know, some of them responded and said, you know, thanks for reaching out. I don't have time. Some of them said, please, you know, I'm, I have court next Tuesday. You're welcome to come and trail me. Wow. You know, and sit in on a hearing. Some took me with them to some settlement conferences. Some, you know, welcomed me to the office. A lot of them talked my ear off. Many tried to persuade me against it. Many gave me advice on how to go out on my own. All right. But yeah, so that's what I spent my time on. And, you know, interestingly enough, here I am doing all of this, you know, making all these connections, getting perspective. Bar results come out. Luckily, I pass. And, you know, it's, it's so we're in nearing, I, I get sworn in. I passed the bar on July 19. Okay. I got sworn in on December 7th. Right. <laughs> These are dates you will never forget, folks. And, um, you know, here I am ready. I'm a lawyer. I'm like, you know, December 2007, the economy's crashing and I don't have a job. And as I understand it, Craigslist came to play something, (laughs) some role in this. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So I, um, 
I was going through every angle. You know, I was reaching out. I was talking. I had a couple lawyers give me some contract work. There was one attorney who kind of took me under his wing and let me do some work for him in the office pretty consistently. And, you know, but in the meantime, I was looking. I wanted to get that law firm position to get some experience. I didn't feel ready to go out on my own. Many lawyers do. Many young lawyers do. They're forced to do it. And I have the deepest respect for them for doing so. So we are the week between Christmas and New Year's. I basically, I gave myself a month. I basically gave myself the month of January. I figured December is a dead month. All right. I gave myself a month of January to try to find something in San Diego and then move out, move on to, you know, other counties around California and even across. So it's the week between Christmas and New Year's. I'm looking at Craigslist. I was looking on Monster and LinkedIn and Facebook. I mean, literally every type of medium out there I was scouring. Craigslist, I see a post, Craigslist folks, I see a post for a law firm and, you know, granted there's some shadiness out there. Absolutely. But uh, law firm for a family law associate, they were looking for someone who was three to five years out in practice. And here I am, you know, two weeks old and I applied because, you know, what do I have to lose? And I get a call from them. Oh, wow. So they brought me in and... You know, I just sent in my resume. So I had about a year and a half of law clerk experience in a family law firm. And plus I put all my community involvement. And I go into interview with, there's two partners. I go in, I interview with partner number one. And out of my one hour interview, probably 45 minutes of it was spend him talking at me about how much he likes to make money. Oh, fantastic. So it's a small <laughs> firm. At that time, there were three lawyers. They were looking for a fourth you know, to handle their family practice. It was a general litigation firm. They were looking for someone to literally walk in and take over their family law practice because their associate who was handling family law had left. Wow. Like during the holidays. And there were about 30 active cases that they were looking for somebody to just literally step in and take over. (laughs) So, you know, 45 minutes of him telling me how much he likes to make money, how money is important, how it's all about collection. And, you know, you got to bring in business. You got to bring in clients. You got to manage this caseload. And so finally, when it was my turn to talk, he's like, so Anna, tell me about yourself. I looked at him and I said, I'm going to make you money. Fantastic. I'm going to bring you business. Here are all my connections. Here's everything I'm involved with. Here's, you know, all these things that I'm doing. And, you know, yeah, I have a year and a half of family law experience. I mean, I've never done a trial. I've never done a depot. I've never done, you know, lawyer work because I wasn't a lawyer. Right. But, you know, I underplayed that. But I said, yeah, I I got this. I'm going to make you money. And... They hired me. So I was two weeks old. They were looking for someone three to five years out. And I started the first week of January. Took over the whole division. I had 30 cases. (laughs) They were said, Anna, here you go. You don't start slow, do you, Anna? Oh, my God. I'm not even, I'm not going to exaggerate. It was, it was scary. It was intimidating, but it really was the best opportunity for me because ultimately I had control of my cases. I was able to practice the way I wanted to. I had flexibility, small firm. And uh, yeah, and so now nine years later, I'm still with the same firm, Stark and Ambrosio in San Diego. There's six of us now and I'm partner. Fantastic. So I made partner two years ago and the reason, folks, that I made partner was because of the fact that I brought in business because of all my connections through being engaged in the local bar association. I was on the young lawyers board and ultimately president of our young lawyers association in San Diego, remained active in the ABA, in the YLD and, you know, in other 
community organizations and was able to build up a book of business so that those original 30 cases that were given to me, I mean, they were, you know, completed and gone and you have to constantly generate business, which I was able to do. And it came to a point where the firm couldn't afford to keep me as an associate anymore. And they had to make me partner. Okay. So that is, you know, sort of the practical perspective of how to get it done. How great. What a fantastic story, Anna. Thank you so much for joining us today. Before we wrap up, I have just one last question for you. Uh, If our listeners would like to get in contact with you, how can they do so? You are all welcome to contact me. I would love to talk to you. You can email me. It's probably the best way to get a hold of me. So my email address is A and then my last name. So it's A-R-O-M as in Mary, A-N as in Nancy, S as in Sam, K-A-Y-A at Stark, S as in Sam, T as in Tom, A-R-K-L-L-P. Fantastic. Thank you so much again. My pleasure. Uh, Thank you, Anna, for joining us on this podcast. We really enjoyed having you, and we hope you, our listeners, enjoyed another episode of the Law Student Podcast. We would like to encourage you to subscribe to the ABA Law Student Podcast on iTunes and take a moment to rate and review us as well. You can also reach us on Twitter at ABALSD using the hashtag Law Student Podcast. We want to hear what's on your mind. With that, I'm Kareem Arif, and thank you for listening to another edition of the ABA Law Student Podcast. Stay tuned, expect more, and never give up. Until next time, podcasters. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS, find us on Twitter and Facebook, or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. Remember... U.S. law students at ABA-accredited schools can join the ABA for free. Join now at AmericanBar.org forward slash law student. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.